0: Hello, and thank you for listening to Ask the Pastor, a segment of the West Hills Podcast where you have the opportunity to ask and receive biblical answers on your questions from our lead pastor, Will Duval. I'm your host, Allie Keaton, and I'm really excited to dive into the question this week. Our question this week comes from John, and he asks, Pastor Will, what is truth? Is it the same for you and for me? Matthew 27, Jesus Christ Superstar, etc.
1: Well, thank you for that question, John. This is a vitally important one for the church to address today uh, i am afraid that the success and failure of our evangelistic and apologetic efforts um, with our unbelieving friends is going to hinge on our ability to first address this question that john is asking with them what is truth and here's what i mean by that it it makes no sense to even attempt to have a conversation about god or jesus or the bible or faith with someone who is coming into that discussion with the a priori assumption that all truth is relative. The best that you can hope for in a conversation like that is that they walk away with a better understanding of your truth. But as long as Christians are allowing unbelievers to get away with the intellectual suicide that is relativism, we will not be able to have anything even approaching a productive dialogue uh, of ideas with them. So what we're dabbling with um, here in this question today, what is truth, is... The science of epistemology, this is the study of truth or knowledge, and I think it's helpful to have just a little bit of historical point of reference here. So for a long time in Western history, most people took for granted that scripture and tradition were man's ultimate source of authority for human knowledge. If the Bible and or the Pope said it, that was good enough. But with the dawn of the Enlightenment in the 18th century, you've got the rationalists like Descartes, who held that reason is the ultimate source of knowledge, the empiricists like Locke, who responded that no experience is the ultimate source of knowledge. The idealist, like Berkeley, who questioned whether truths can be known at all or whether things just exist as ideas in the abstract. The realist who responded, yes, of course things exist in reality, independent of the mind, and on and on and on. Down to postmodernism. So postmodernism uh, first gained traction as an epistemological ideology in the 1970s and 80s led by thinkers like Derrida and Foucault, who galvanized around the basic premise that all truth is relative. There is no such thing as objectivity. Objective meaning behind a work of art, behind a piece of literature, does not exist. Objective moral standards do not exist. Objective truth of any kind doesn't exist. An objective interpretation of a passage from the Bible doesn't exist. This ideology has crept into the thinking of the church, unfortunately as evidenced in phrases like, well, what this passage means to me is dot, 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 which is just a phrase that we have to graciously condemn on the lips of believers in the church because, frankly, I don't care what the Bible means to you. I care what it means to God. I care what God meant by it when he inspired it. But the problem is postmodernism rejects the notion that there is or could be any such objective meaning behind the text. Um, everything is simply in the eye of the beholder, the reader. It's all subjective. Now, as Kohelet said in the book of Ecclesiastes, there's nothing new under the sun. In fact, um, John, in asking the question uh, for today, this week, is referencing uh, Matthew 27 and Pontius Pilate. I assume by that he's referring to Jesus' interaction with uh, Pontius Pilate as recorded in Matthew 27, but specifically, Um, the interaction that the part of the interaction that only John picks up on in his gospel in chapter 18, where Pilate asked Jesus in verse 37, so you are a King. And Jesus answers, you say that I'm a King for this purpose. I was born for this purpose. I've come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. And Pilate said to him, what is truth? That's John's question for today or as the way Andrew Lloyd Webber re-envisions Pilate singing it, as John also references from Jesus Christ Superstar, but what is truth? Is truth a changing law? We both have truths. Our mind the same as yours. Uh, So was Pontius Pilate the very first postmodern? Uh, It turns out that no, again, nothing new under the sun. Long before him, um, truth's relativity had been suggested by Eastern philosophies and religions for millennia. Now, you think of Hinduism. Um where you're kind of encouraged to pick a God that works for you. That's why we've got hundreds of thousands of them. Um, this is, again, nothing new. Uh, but what I want to argue here in this podcast is that um, the notion of, that, that truth is or could be relative, that your truth is your truth, my truth is my truth, I want to want to argue that that is ludicrous for at least six reasons. There are probably more than that, but I'm just going to list six for you. So, um First of all, biblically. It's biblically uh, unfounded to say that truth could be relative. Jesus says in John fourteen six, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. He doesn't say I am a way, a truth. I, I could be your truth. I might not be someone else's truth. I am the truth. It's an absolute, exclusive, objective claim. Um, for the believer, The Christian, that's the only argument that we need, of course, for truth's objectivity. But, of course, the person who is questioning truth's absoluteness likely is not going to take Scripture as Scripture and as a source of authority at all in any sense um, like we are. So I'm going to go on and give you five more reasons why I think you can argue uh, with your postmodern friend um, that their position, at least on the nature of truth, epistemology, does um, does not hold water. Uh, Number two is um, axiomatically, that the whole idea behind postmodernism is axiomatically problematic, axiomatically, meaning that the definition of postmodernism in and of itself is logically self-refuting. The argument breaks down before it even gets started. The, The truth claim that all truth is relative What's true for you is true for you. What's true for me is true for me is, again, not only logically, it's, it's logically self-refuting in not one but two ways. The the very minute that you say that, you've intrinsically violated the very principle you sought to defend. So um, consider this. Uh, what's true for me, when I say that as an absolute objective truth, um, I'm, again, in, I'm, I'm an inherently... Uh, implying, suggesting, um, assuming that at least one absolute objective truth does exist. uh, I'm admitting that my truth has to be true, this truth claim that I've just made, that truth is relative, that becomes in and of itself an absolute claim. So I've just killed my own relativistic argument. Secondly, if you disagree with me, if I'm a relativist, who says all truth is relative, and you're an absolutist and you disagree with me, and you stand behind your claim that all truth is relative, then you're then I, not only admitting that what's true for me isn't actually uh, true at all in any sense, but you're also implicitly assuming that there is at least one truth claim out there that is objective for both you and me, namely that all truth is relative. So um, I can't say that my truth is my truth, your truth is your truth, if our truths are logically incompatible if they're in conflict with one another. So it's axiomatically uh, impossible, logically incoherent. Thirdly, um, this idea of postmodernism is philosophically incoherent and um, incompatible with reality. We need look no further than the various Heating truth claims of the world's religions to prove that um, relativism, uh, as itself a governing ideology or worldview, is is impossible. So, um, take Christianity for example. Uh, some of our most basic truth claims: Jesus is the only way to God. Or another example: um, Christianity is true for all people. Um, Jesus's death and resurrection are Uh, important and necessary and required as tenets of the faith for all people. These are not relative claims. They're absolute objective claims. I mean, think about it. The the claim that Jesus died and rose for my sins, um, and not just my sins, but for your sins too. This is a historical, factual claim based in objective historical reality Jesus cannot both have died and not died. He can't have both resurrected and not resurrected. So if I, as, as a Christian, am saying the resurrection is, is essential to you know, eternal life with God and heaven, things like that, um, even the notions of eternal life in heaven, these are, again, uh, if I believe in these things and a, and a Buddhist says no um, heaven, doesn't exist. Uh, you know the, the goal of, the objective of life is the Nirvana, the extinguishing of, of existence itself. I mean these, these uh, truth claims are inherently in competition with one another, um, which leads us to a fourth problem um, with relativism, which is a linguistic problem. there are, I mean just consider the, the ramifications for interpersonal communication. To, to believe some, If we're going to believe something like, uh, my truth is my truth, your truth is your truth, our very language at a fundamental level breaks down. Our, our language depends on the existence of objective truth. If I ask you, what did you eat for breakfast this morning? In the absence of a shared, singular, true definition, objective standard for words like eat breakfast and this morning, Um, you're going to have no way of even beginning to answer that question that's going to make sense to both you and I. Our understanding of all of reality and logic and language, it's thoroughly embedded in the universality of accepted truths um, and the absoluteness of truth. Um, I guess related to that, you know, think of the repercussions for our educational system. You know, one plus one equals two isn't just true for me. Otherwise, you know, kids, I, kids I, I encourage you, ask your teacher if they're a, a postmodernist. Um, I would love to go back to college today and uh, try this with philosophy professors that I had that claimed to be postmodernist. They have no leg to stand on to give me any kind of a grade because what, what standard are they using to, to give me a grade? Um, you have no right to mark my answers as wrong. That, that answer that I put on that test, that, that essay that I wrote, that's my truth. And who are you to say that your truth is any more true or relative or right or, or whatever than mine is? So um, I think there's all sorts of practical implications uh, that we can point to, to to show the logical flaws with relativism. Think of the legal. So the, here's the fifth one I'll give. The le- Legally, uh, postmodernism does not make sense. It does not hold water. The ramifications for our legal system, um, and, and here this is closely connected with a moral argument for the existence of God, and I'm sure we'll get into that in another podcast, um, and so I won't go into, the, in, into depth on the moral argument here. It's the most convincing argument of, uh, of all the logical arguments for God's existence, but our entire legal system is based around the assumption that there is such a thing as objective standards and truth. Um, otherwise, the government has no right to punish anyone. If all truth is relative, um, you know, just ask a, po- a postmodernist, someone who who claims that your truth is your truth, my truth is my truth. Just ask him. So, if you if you walked out of of here and saw uh, a woman strangling a baby, would you stop her? Um, you know, what if she told you that the most fundamental truth to her in the world was that babies are evil and must be strangled? That's her truth. Who are you to stop her? Um, if, if you're willing to say, yes, I'd stop her, then you must be claiming implicitly that your truth trumps her truth. You know, there, there certainly seems to be some absoluteness, some objectivity that you are admitting to in, um, you know, in your moral actions and the moral actions that you require or or expect not only of yourself, but of others. And then finally, the last example that I'll give here is um, we've we've looked at biblically, axiomatically, philosophically, linguistically, legally, and finally experientially. Sixth, experientially, um, truth must be shown to be objective and absolute and not merely relative. Ravi Zacharias um, has this great Quote the, the great Christian Indian um, philosopher, theologian, apologist uh, in the church today. Um, he says, even in India, the birthplace of relativism, people will look both ways before they cross the street. Why? Because being seriously injured or killed by a speeding car isn't a matter of relative truth, it's a fact. The laws of science and physics hold whether you want them to or believe in them or not. And so do the laws of philosophy and epistemology and morality and ethics. And um, these are these things are laws. They're not matters of debate. And um, so I'll just close with an example that I think is especially timely and relevant for us in 21st century America um, to, to sort of poke at this idea of uh, relativity. Um, think about our, our identity markers. Um, things like gender, race, sexuality, that are becoming such hot-button topics in the church and in the world um, around us today. And again, I'm sure we'll get into all those issues in later podcasts, but for the purposes of this one here, just when it comes to truth, um, I'll I'll link in the show notes for today um, a great video uh, that was put out a while ago now um, by an organization just trying to expose some of these logical flaws, um, they went around and did interviews on a couple different college campuses, and of course, a lot of the, you know, universities today are sort of bastions of um, this kind of progressive uh, thinking on concepts like like truth and relativism. Um, but they went and just interviewed students on. Uh, some of these college campuses, and, and asked, you know, uh, what do you believe about the nature of truth? And, you know, they found eight or ten students who were comfortable saying truth is all relative, my truth is my truth, your truth is your truth, and they just kind of pressed into that a little bit more um, and started asking follow-up questions. Like, so, uh, and, and the interviewee, the guy making the film, was looked a lot like me. It was a white, 30-something-year-old um, guy uh, by all again, objective standards. And um, and he, he would just ask sort of the follow-up question. So if I told you that I was a woman, what would you say? And um, and they all sort of in turn, some of them paused longer than others, but all started to respond in turn, well, you know, I would say that's that's your treat. That's your decision to make. If you identify as, as a woman, that's your prerogative. Um, and he just started to press further. What if I told you I was a black woman? Um, they started to... You know, again, some of them started to catch on to what was going on here, and smiling, and you know, some of them got a little bit more hostile, some of them a little bit more hesitant, um, depending on the student, and then just continued with the follow-up questions. What if I told you I was an eight-foot-tall black woman? What if I told you I was a four-year-old, eight-foot-tall black woman? Um, and and he just kind of kept pressing until. One by one, each of them got to a point where they were uncomfortable with this sort of philosophical position they'd backed themselves into of saying that all truth is, is relative and that you can really be anything that you want to be in your own mind or whatever. Um, and I think the, the bigger point, and I'll, I'll link a, another sermon from um, a pastor I really uh, appreciate Andrew Wilson in the UK, um, who addresses this issue as well, I think in a really sensitive pastoral way. And he, he just makes the point that, you know, we're really not doing anyone any favors by buying into um, th- this philosophical uh, position of postmodernism anyways, like this whole idea of, you know, not stepping on anyone's toes and letting people's truth be their truth, um, it becomes harmful at a certain point in time. You know, its is it really loving uh, to let someone go on believing? He gives, again, these are not hypothetical examples. He gives the example of someone at his church who came forward telling him that they um, believed they were a dragon, you know, and at what point as a pastor does it become... uh, the most kind, loving thing to, to do to help that person understand that no, you're not actually a dragon. You're a human being loved and created in the image of God. So, again, there are any number of not just hypothetical, but practical real life um, implications that I'm sure you can think of in your life for how this creep of relativism and uh, the relative relativity of truth is affecting you and your conversations and in your. Evangelism and um, with friends, um, but I just really encourage us as a church uh, not to allow um, that kind of assumption to go unchecked. And, um, you know, if the church is not going to stand up for the absoluteness of God's truth um, and Jesus as being the truth, the way and the life, um, then who will? So,
0: thank you, Pastor Will, for that very thorough answer to a challenging question. Um, I think it's one that I'll go back and listen to myself so I can hear again and break down some of that. As a public service announcement to you listeners, we are going to be taking a break from the podcast for about two weeks while we allow our lead pastor to go on vacation, which he deserves. So don't worry, we will be back. Um, But that's it for this week's episode of Ask the Pastor. So remember that you can still submit your questions each week at the info bar at West Hills or online on our website at westhillsstl.org. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. And thanks for listening.